Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the House the Hinky Built podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Frank. And today I will be joined by Mark Schindler. Um, we're going to do one more for the time being Ben Simmons centric, Ben Simmons trade centric uh, podcast. I asked on Twitter for everyone to give me some more suggestions of trades or possible destinations. So Mark and I are going to go over the ones that cut our eye the most, whether it was a team or a pack specifically. Um, so we'll discuss that today. Um, and uh, as always, or per usual, I am hosting this on Spotify Green Room. So um, if there's anything that sounds like I'm alluding to that is confusing, just remember that there's a chat going on. There's maybe speakers that are coming on. Uh, and remember, I would love if you could subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you listen to it uh, and give it a review. Um, all of your listens and support uh, means a ton to me. Uh, but Mark is here, so we're going to get started. Really excited for this one. Again, this will probably be our last Ben Simmons, my last Ben Simmons trade-centric podcast for the time being until maybe discussions really ramp up at some point. Um, but for now, uh, this will be our last one as we head into the offseason and cover some other things. Uh, and per usual, uh, if you hear any barking or loud noises, that will be my dog Lilo. Currently, she's looking out the window and sniffing, so she looks like she's on the prowl for some hijinks. But uh, we'll get started here with, uh, with Mark joining us. Well, hey, hey man, if it's not dog. your dog, it's mine, so no, <laughs> no worries. There's a, <laughs> right. almost always a guarantee for some dog barking when we start up. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm good. I just got back from a, a really lengthy road trip, um, and I'm, I'm ready to, to just get back into basketball. I, I didn't get to watch anything yesterday uh, for, like, the first time in, it feels like, two or three months, so um, I feel deprived, man. I'm ready to talk to you. <laughs> I know that, that's how I was when I was on vacation a few weeks ago. Like it was nice to have the first couple of days. It was nice to have off, but then by day four or five, I was like I'm still enjoying myself, but I'm I'm ready You're to, get back to, to get back to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But so I get that. Luckily, right now you only missed you know a few games, so uh, that's that's the benefit of not going you know in the middle of the season or anything like that. But uh, today we are here to talk about some more Ben Simmons stuff. You know, uh, I've had some different people on to you know talk about potential landing spots, whether it was you know Chicago, Indiana, Portland, Minnesota. Um, but I think there's a much larger list than that uh, of teams that could maybe be the suitor for Ben Simmons, but I didn't want to go, I don't want to have this sort of podcast series go for six weeks. So <laughs> I figured we'd, uh, discuss some of the ones that caught our eye the most. Um, I'm sure there are, I think the thing with Ben is I'm sure there are a lot of teams that would like to get him, but I'm not sure they have the players or, you know, picks or whatever it is to really make that feasible. Um, I keep harping on this, but Daryl Morris said he'll only, you know, trade Ben Simmons. Uh, you know, and he didn't say he wouldn't say trade Ben Simmons, but he said he'll look to improve the roster if it improves the roster. Look to make moves. And I don't think there are. I don't think thirty teams or twenty nine teams, excuse me, have the the people or the, the trade or the picks to to improve the Sixers uh, in the immediate future. So um, I gave you that list of you know with all those replies about maybe potential packages or trade destinations for Ben Simmons. Um, which ones caught your eye the most? Which one was most intriguing to you that you think is is could actually happen uh, first off. Yeah, I mean, for, I actually have a question first off, man. Did you uh, – so you saw the report yesterday. I think it was Jason Dumas. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember where he reports out of, but uh, there was almost a deal between the Pacers and, uh, and Sixers, but the Sixers declined it. Uh, I would have too, frankly. I think that was a little bit of an undersell. Um, but I was just – I was curious if you talked about that one at all yet. Uh, I, so I had I had Tony East on last week. Oh, we yeah. Talked, we talked about the framework um, – Mostly with Brogdon as, as the center centerpiece of a return package, uh, Tony felt the same way that he didn't think Brogdon at first would be quite enough. Um, we also discussed the fact that you know uh, Ben Simmons and, and Demonis Sabonis are kind of a wonky fit. If Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are a wonky fit in the playoffs, 
Uh, you know, Demonis makes it even even tougher because he's just not quite the level of score uh, or even close to the level of score of Joel, who's a tremendous mm-hmm. player in his own right. Um, so yeah, I did see that. I, I don't know. I mean, I think Dumas has had has been on the money on some reports. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm inclined to believe it. He isn't someone who's you know just spouting off reports and rumors all the time. Um, so I mean, I think you know, I think the way I view it is if that's kind of the starting point, fewer than two weeks after you know Ben had a really tough series against the Hawks, that that bodes well, I think, for the Sixers. I don't know how how you view that, but. I thought that if that's kind of the initial deal that teams are offering, I guess the Pacers are one team, but that's kind of the initial deal they're getting. I think that that's good because Rodgers is a good player and a first round pick is, is nothing to scoff at. So, yeah, I think one thing I'm interested to see too, and this is just my presumption, uh, but a lot of trade machine ideas. I'm someone who try. I mean, I used to use the trade machine a lot more, but now that we've gotten farther in, I, I kind of actively avoid it because of the amount of times I get tagged in trade machine stuff. Um, <laughs> I don't think Philly's going to be that excited about getting a million first-round picks back. Like, of course, they, like picks are good, but they need a player who's going to benefit the roster immediately. Um, so I, I think, I mean, it, it, that's, that's, that's a good point. If they're not willing to take back Malcolm Brogdon um, in that deal, and again, I, I wouldn't either. Um, I mean, that's a, a good starting point because, like we've talked about, like one of the first things that got thrown out was like Buddy Heald and 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 and, and picks, and it was like, no, that's the, the just suffer through another year of Ben, and, and not suffer. You, you know what I mean, though. Like it's with dealing with the fit and whatnot. But yeah, I think I want to start talking about the Wizards. We talked about them a little bit. Um, they're in a really odd spot as a franchise right now, um, especially considering how last year went. Um. They're still looking for a new head coach. I haven't really seen anything reported on that other than I think Wes Unsell Jr. Uh, no, he wasn't. I think he was up for the Orlando job, actually, if I remember Sam, correctly. Sam but, Cassell, I think, was reported yeah. by The Athletic, but someone else reported recently that it's unlikely that Cassell takes that job, which is tied to the, was tied to the Sixers because Cassell is one of the lead assistants and yep. I think was was often talked about by kind of Sixers ball handlers and guards as being, being key to their uh, their their growth and their success this year, but I want to before we get into that part, I want to talk a little bit about you mentioned the kind of maybe a, a wealth of first round picks being part of the package. Um, somebody did ask on Twitter uh, on that tweet about kind of a potential deal. Someone asked like, do you think they'll only be looking for immediate impact players, or would they look to maybe get get a you know a, a top four pick back or something in this year's class or next year's class? It was just to give the person credit. It was at Voltix FTW on Twitter. Uh, so shout out to them for this question that said, I would like to know if you think the Sixers are only concerned immediate impact players or maybe potentially on a top four pick too. Uh, I, I tend to side with immediate impact players because I think the way you look at like Tyrese Maxey looks like a guy who's going to return better than the 21st pick value this year. But even, and, and you're looking, I mean, you're, you're not getting the 21st pick back, but like, I think there's a chance that Maxey's a top, you know, 10 to 12 guy in this class. Uh, and even he was kind of in and out of the rotation. So I don't really see them. Uh, I don't really see them looking, trying to value those picks that highly because the fact of the matter is Joel, Joel Embiid probably has two or three years left of, of this caliber, um, as maybe as an MVP candidate type player. So, um, but that's, I just want to get that point in uh, to answer, you know, kind of circle into what, what Voltex asked there. Um, but yeah, I think the Wizards for sure are uh, an interesting candidate. Uh, continue to maybe talk about why you think they're such an intriguing team, maybe a potential landing spot for, for Ben. Well, I don't know what your gauge is of, of the Wizards. Uh, obviously, I think everybody has thrown out the idea of Bradley Beal getting traded for, it, it seems like, two years now. Um, but it really feels like this is the year where it's going to happen, if it does happen. Um, I mean, based on everything I think Fred Katz has talked about in his podcast, about, you know, based on his his interactions, uh, everything he's heard, like Bradley Beal is still pretty happy. 
Um, only has two deals on his left now. Uh, left on, two two years left on his deal now. <laughs> two deals, um, my goodness! Yeah, I know the, the, year, the, the, the age the age of power, player empowerment has really taken off. Yes, right. I mean, it's it's, it's almost excessive at this point. Uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, just looking at Washington right now, I don't know how much better they'll be next year unless some kind of massive shift happens. Uh, even then, um, you know, it, it's just. If you're Bradley Beal, and, and given where Bradley Beal's at in his career, do you want to keep doing that? Uh, and I think it might honestly be less on him and more Tommy Shepard looking at this and saying, hey, what is our ceiling with this team? What are we trying to do with this team? Um, and I, I think if you had the opportunity – like I, I think Ben and, and Brad is maybe the closest to a one-to-one swap you're going to get. Like I, I actually think Philly would probably have to send picks along with that. Yeah, um, or maybe, because, maybe a young player too. To really yeah, play. something like that. And. I mean, the fit is just so much better. You'd automatically have the best initiator on the team in Bradley Beal. Um, you'd just do it. Th- I mean, the idea of a, him and Joel having a two-man game is extremely tantalizing. But I also Somebody think... even actually gets the rim on the, <laughs> yes, on the Sixers exactly. would, would be wonderful. Besides Tyrese Maxey, of course. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing, too, is Brad would be the second-best player on the team. And that's huge. Like, um, not that... like I mean, I think he, he maybe... He's probably still the leading scorer or something like that, but... Um, taking some of the weight off his shoulders. Uh, I mean, in terms of offensive creation, he's been asked to do, uh, I mean, top five load in the league for sure yeah. uh, over the last two years. And I think it'll be good for him to have uh, some opportunity to not have to do that because as good as he is, like I think he's one of the guys who gets clowned a little bit too much in the league because they haven't really done a great job of, of winning until towards the end of this last season. Um, he still needs to clean up a lot on his defense. Like it's not just a, um, an effort thing. Like I do think there are like legitimate parts of his defense that aren't great that he has to work on. Um, but ultimately like that, that makes the sitter, the Sixers like a Eastern conference finalist favorite for me next year. If they were to get, if they were to get Brad, I mean, of course anything else could happen, but you're looking to see them play against Brooklyn ASAP. If that happens. Yeah. I think you mentioned kind of the workload. I mean, just, just go watch the Sixers wizard series from, from this year. I mean, Brad would have a bunch of offers. Oh, he's exhausted too. Just it's a just bunch like... of, yeah, just a bunch of really great first halves, and then by you know, maybe through the third or the fourth quarter, he just was was worn down by having to always attack Joel or Ben Simmons and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I think I think that certainly makes sense. And I wonder if it's one of those things where you know Brad just has you know a conversation with the front office and they're honest with him, and it's one of it becomes kind of a mutual thing where hey, like I'm in my prime, and I, I really appreciate everything this franchise has given me for the past you know, nine years. Uh, but I would like to maybe kind of move on, but I don't want to leave you guys at the dry, so we'll keep it in-house and things like that. Uh, and, I mean, the thing that's interesting, though, with the deal there is, like, the fact that he has a player option, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, for 2022-23. So, uh, in, in one sense, you're trading Brent Simmons, who has four years remaining, uh, and, you're, and then you're getting back, that be, getting back Brad Beal, my goodness, say that three times fast, uh, <laughs> who has one year left at, at a minimum. Um, of course, if you're going to trade for him, you're going to want you're going to want to make sure he resigns. You don't want to the, the Sixers can't afford to go through another Jimmy Butler thing. Definitely. Um, so yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, what what do you think the Sixers have to add on? Like, do you think they'd have to give Maxi? Could Thibel suffice plus a first? Like, what what does that look like for you? Because it's tough. Because I mean, the fact of the matter is, Ben Simmons' trade value is a lot lower now than it was back in January or, or last offseason. Um, but he does have three years more remaining and is still a very good player. Um, so what does that look like on the Sixers end of things? Because again, if you're going to, if you're going to trade for Bradley Beal, it's not just for one, one year. You're, you're trading from the under the he's going to sign maybe a three year extension yeah. like that. So 
Um, what would the Sixers have to add on maybe to make it worthwhile for the Wizards and maybe kind of help jumpstart a rebuild, you know, for them? Because even, because even if, because you also then, what do they do with Russ? Like, what goes on there? Does Russ get moved? Like, how do they, there's kind of a ripple effect there as well. But what would the Sixers have to, you know, maybe package with Ben to make that work? Oh, well, yeah, I think if I'm the Sixers, I am doing everything I can to not include Tyrese Max. And we've already seen that from Daryl Morey. Um, <laughs> Like whether uh, I personally still don't agree with not making the James Harden trade. It's easy to say in retrospect, but at the time I wasn't a fan of them not making it. Um, I get that they wanted to see how far they could get with this core this year. Um, and we saw that. I, I think I would have been willing to do that. I don't know if I'd be willing to part with, uh, with Maxi in this deal. Um, like I think ultimately if, if it comes down to it, you probably do make it. But if you can say, Hey, here's Matisse Thibel and like a couple of picks like that, that would be a lot more ideal to me if I'm the Sixers, because I do think uh, Tyrese Maxey, like we saw this year already, he had really bright moments in the playoffs. Um, he's somebody too, like in terms of talking about rim pressure, like he's a guy who's going to bring that. Um, and he's somebody who I do think is going to have a sizable impact um, before Joel's prime is done. So I wouldn't be super excited about giving him up, but again, if you're, um, if that's what you have to do to make the deal happen, and there aren't other other more appealing deals, then then I'm pretty open to it. Yeah, I think that's yeah. I think if, if push comes to shove, you definitely include Maxi, but you're not opening with that as part of your initial offer. So, uh, yeah, I, I tend to agree. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Brad would just give them a certain level of offensive, you know, dynamism that they haven't had uh, in a while, especially with that room pressure. I mean. Like I said, Tyrese Max is the only guy that you can really get the rim in the half court consistently. Um, and that that's kind of an indictment. It's partially partially testament to him, but also kind of an indictment on, on the guards of that team. Yep. Um, but I think, is there any is there anything else that maybe you want to talk about with the Wizards fit before maybe go on to a different trade destination here? Because I do want to maybe try to get through a lot of different teams here, but anything you want to add, anything that intrigues you about this these two teams potentially you know, uh, collaborating for a, for a big trade? Well, the last thing I would say is that it's just important because the fit makes sense for the Wizards, too. Um, like, a lot of trades that get thrown out. Like, I think that's my uh, – I don't want to say frustration, but I think it's just, it's partially because you and I are really locked in with stuff. But um, a lot of times you'll see a trade that, that makes way too much sense for the other team and none for the other. And um, I think it's just important to acknowledge, for the most part, there aren't really going to be any hit-somebody-over-the-head hit type trades. Like – it just doesn't happen often the way that business is conducted. The best thing I ever had, I think it was, uh, I want to say it was Wes Wilcox who works for the Kings now told me about this, but he was, uh, he was like, you know, for the most part, when you're looking at deals that go on in the league, you have to remember that everything is real. It's all about a relationship. Like you have to have working relationships with every other front office. So if you do stuff like I know, um, Daryl had problems with that in Houston because he did have a couple of trades like that where he was able to really, uh, win over somebody else. So it's important to, to, to look at it that way too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, you can even tie it back to Daryl's time here in, in Philly, where the, maybe some people reported that Tillman Fertitta you know, didn't want to trade James Harden to, to him. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, relationships definitely matter in maintaining them. Uh, you don't really want to burn bridges because you never know when you're going to have to reach out to that same executive or team in the future for, for a key deal. Um, but you mentioned the Wizards uh, as maybe kind of the leading team that I hadn't mentioned yet or included yet in, the, in a podcast here. Uh what other teams most intrigued you on the list that I that I provided or people replied with? Any any certain deals? Some people provided teams. Some people provided trade machine uh, screenshots. What else came to mind for you? I can also suggest one, but anything else that you kind of really popped out to you? Well, yeah, one that I actually really wanted to hit on. We we just got a question on from uh, from King Herbert down below. 
Um, and it's more not not about like the actual fit, but it's a, a really good talking point. And it was uh, just the, the question, thoughts on Jalen Brown for Ben Simmons and stuff. Um, if I'm the Boston Celtics, I don't, I don't think I'm doing that, to be completely honest. Like, I think maybe if you look at this a year and a half ago, uh, you think about doing it. But, I, I mean, where are you at with that? Because I think Jalen is uh, – I don't know if I even want to say – like, it's so arbitrary looking at who's better, you know, at, at, at points. Um, but in terms of sheer value and, like, I mean, Jalen Brown is capable of self-creating offense in a way that Ben isn't. And um, Ben's obviously a much better defender probably – no, I mean, not probably. He's definitely a better playmaker, but – um, I think Jalen Brown just has more valuable and fits uh, fits the modern NBA and where we're at right now in an offense uh, in a way that Ben quite doesn't right now. So I, I don't know if I'm willing to do that if I'm the Celtics. Yeah, I wouldn't do it if I'm the Celtics. Um, even if I think they're probably, I would even if I lean Ben as maybe a, a slightly better player. Um, yeah, I would agree. Or just a better player right now. Um, by a little bit, which is the, me the same saying the same thing in different ways. Uh, the fact of the matter is, Jalen's gotten a lot better over his four years, and and, and Ben, even though he's taken a step forward defensively uh, or big steps forward, uh, has regressed offensively. Um, not maybe regressed in terms of lack of, you know, like I don't think he's gotten fewer skills, but I think teams have better learned how to guard him, and yeah. I think that matters. So yeah, I, I wouldn't do it because I think there's a chance next summer we're talking about Jalen as the better player, um, just given the way that Jalen has grown uh, in, the, in the last few years. So I definitely wouldn't do it. If I'm from the Celtic, even if I'm attached, the, the you know the the Sixers are attaching you know a young guy in a pick or something, I just don't think it's worthwhile. Um, I just think Jalen is is a very good player and has gotten a lot better in a way that Ben Simmons does not, even if they're both tremendous tremendous players under the age of 25. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I, it doesn't really make sense for me if I'm the Celtics. Yeah, and it's so tough too because like not to just have my own aside, but with Ben, um, like a lot of the uh, um, a lot of the discourse around him is like, oh, he hasn't improved, he hasn't gotten better, and I, I think. I do push back on it a little bit because he has. Like he clearly has worked on his skills, and he's he's a better passer than when he got into the league. He's a better ball handler. He does like he clearly works, but it's all just the wiring for him. Um, like just that he won't do some of these things, and, and it's not even yeah. It's just we we've hashed it over, but it's 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 so uh, perplexing to even be talking about the idea of trading Ben Simmons. Like, can you imagine doing this two years ago? Um, I, I know it's uh, another random side, but just kind of wild still. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I totally agree. Um, but yeah, that's a great question from King Herbert. I appreciate that. Um, I don't think the Celtics and Sixers are going to be linking up for a trade involving their Definitely. two of their key players anytime soon. But uh, I think it is a fun kind of thought experiment, regardless. Uh, yeah, Elliot said the smart Simmons backcourt would be terrifying. Yeah, my goodness, that, that would be very terrifying, uh, especially with the way. That, I mean, if you could put Smart as kind of a secondary on-ball guy and let him do his roaming all. I mean, he's such a he's such an incredible off-ball defender for a guard. Um, yeah, that, that would be fun, but. Um, one of the other teams that's been closely linked, I think, at times to the Sixers, whether it's just fans or you know blogs or whatever it is, is the Cavs. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, the Cavs have been in the news because there's some hesitancy or rumors regarding whether you know uh, they're going to you know re-sign uh, Colin Sexton or offer him a big contract extension. Um, so, what do you what do you make of maybe a potential deal around uh, or with the Cavs? Um, how do you think that might shake out? I tend like. But I don't want to. I'm not. So I'm not going to bury the lead here. Um, I don't really think it makes sense for the the Sixers. I don't think that the Cavs just have the level of win now talent, even if it has some interesting guys. Um, but what do you make of this deal? Like, would would a, would a Sexton Nance centric package at all interest you? How do you view maybe the Cavs as a potential suitor for um, Ben Simmons? Yeah, it's tough. I think. Uh, I mean, I, I'm definitely higher on Colin Sexton than I think most people. Um, but at the same time, I don't think. Uh, 
locking in Colin Sexton is, is what you're trying to do if you're Philadelphia. Um, I think, I mean, my idea for Colin Sexton is him next to somebody like Ben Simmons or, or next to like a big wing uh, who's going to get him the ball and, and make it so that he's not, you know, the primary guy dominating the ball. Um, like I do think he would bring a level of, uh, of self-creation that, that the Sixers really don't have right now, but also like, while he does get to the rim. It's more about what happens when he gets there. I, I, I tend to think that he'll look better as a playmaker on a team that actually runs an offense and also has good talent around him. Uh, Cause I've been pretty critical of the Cavs in general, but also I just, I, I don't think that's enough of a return. Like I like, again, I like Colin a lot, but um, you need a more established player and a guy who's, who's played in the playoffs and probably is more ready to take that leap and, and play alongside Joel. Um, and even if you're getting back Larry, like Larry Nance is awesome. Like I think he would be, a fantastic starting player, uh, even if he's you know playing more as a sixth man. Like he he does so much that I think a lot of people don't realize. Um, but it's just not enough of a return, in my opinion. Yeah, I tend to agree. Like I think Sexton would give them a nice scoring boost, but you'd be sacrificing so much as you know with playmaking and defense that it wouldn't be worthwhile. Like I mean, Sexton's a very good scorer. He's very good on like he's a very good off ball scorer. I like the way he grew in that regard this past mm-hmm. season and took over more of the you know initiating duties and whatnot. Um, but he still has a long way to go with his path. He maybe improved there, and, and the defense like is still pretty dreadful. Um, you know, it's not to not to disparage him, but it's just kind of what I've seen, unfortunately, especially off the ball and screen navigation. So, um, I think he would definitely give them a boost scoring wise, and clearly the Sixers need more help, you know, sco- scoring wise because like their defense was never the issue against the Hawks. Um, they played pretty good defense. They actually did pretty well against Trey Young, contrary to anything you're seeing out there. Uh, it was the fact that they couldn't score at all the last like four games. Their offense was completely terrible, so um, that would help. But I like, I think like maybe year four Darius Garland would be like an interesting guy yeah. for them. But I just don't, like I think I think I think Garland next year will take a pretty big leap. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he you know maybe is maybe a borderline All Star type guy. Um, that's how much I like him. But I don't think I don't think you can do it right now. I mean he's he took a big step forward this year, and obviously anyone who reads my work and follows me knows that I like him, but. I just don't think he's the guy you can be kind of your leading player in return for Ben Simmons. It just doesn't make make sense because he's not quite he's not the pull up shooter yet. Even if he's a tremendous pick and roll player and or a tremendous pick and roll craft, I would say it isn't quite there because of the scoring efficiency limitations right now. But um, that would be what would interest me more. But I don't think Cleveland should do, like I don't think it makes sense for Cleveland um, because then you like you have Isaac Cor- Isaac and Ben Simmons as as two guys kind of your key rebuild. That is that's the tough that's a tough way to go. I mean, you guys are going all defense there. Um, but yeah, I just don't think it makes sense for for the Sixers. But I, but I do like that people throw that one out. It is interesting to me to at least discuss. But um, I even like I said, even if Gary Scarlett is kind of the headliner there, I just think he's a little ways away from really being the level of player you'd like. Even if the kind of the the foundation of skills are what the Sixers have needed for a long time around Joel Embiid. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I do think like in terms of looking at Cleveland and fit, like it's it would be wonky for sure for Cleveland. But also, I think he'd be the best talent on the team and the best prospect moving forward. So I would, uh, I mean, I would do it if I'm Cleveland and just figure it out later. Uh, but that's also partial. I'm not a GM. Uh, so I actually, <laughs> unless you have anything else you want to add on that one, there's another team I do want to talk about uh, again in the East that I think, I don't know if I'd say makes sense, but it's interesting to talk about. And that's the Raptors. Yeah. We know. Yeah. We can definitely discuss them. I, I discussed them a little bit last pod. I had Dane Moore on, uh, who covers the Timberwolves, and we kind of talked about what that framework might look like involving the, the Wolves. And um, mm-hmm. we ended up kind of settling on a three-teamer that involved Kyle Lowry and a sign-in trade to the Sixers. Um, but what 
what what what do you think might be the framework there for, for like looking at it from a perspective that doesn't include the wolves? Um, what what interests you there about maybe the Ben Simmons fit? Um, because just off the top of my head, I think it is a little wonky just because I already have you know OG and Pascal who uh, you know, are different players than Ben, but I think you're looking at a pretty cramped floor if those are maybe three of your top guys. Uh, maybe you're getting rid of one of them in return for Ben Simmons, but what is it from the Raptors side that intrigues you about Ben? And then also from the Sixers' perspective, is what do they have that interests the Sixers? You think? Yeah, um, I mean, I, it, I don't. Again, it's more like I'm not sure that Toronto would do it. It's more interesting in uh, for for the Sixers, but I mean, I would be pretty psyched to get back Fred VanVleet and and some kind of filler with that. Um, if I'm the Sixers, I know Fred Van, Fred VanVleet's not perfect. Like he's he's definitely not the creator or um, or passer that Ben is, but. He still bring. He, I mean, he brings the pull up shooting that the team really doesn't have. Um, I again, it's super super wonky for Toronto, but I also have no idea what Toronto's doing right now. Um, like I, it, the like, it, it seems like that every year we just have really no idea what Toronto's doing until it happens. Um, I mean, this whole smokescreen about Pascal being available has been kind of odd to me. Um, so maybe like if if let's, let's say Pascal does get traded for for some reason. Um, I mean, I think Ben makes a lot more sense in Toronto. If Pascal's there, then probably less sense. But, um, I mean, theoretically, like, I mean, wouldn't, would Fred Van Vliet do anything for you in, in Philly? Because I think that would that would actually be a pretty great fit. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting. I, I do still think you're working from a creation deficit still. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, the fact of the matter is, as I've talked about on different streams and podcasts, is you're not going to fill every hole most likely mm-hmm. in, in a trade involving Ben Simmons. Um, he's just not quite that caliber of player right now. Um, you're, you're just gonna, have, I mean, unless you're like, you're sending all the chips in for, you know, Dame Lillard, uh, which it's not even, you know, necessarily reported that he's actually, you know, available. Um, you're still gonna have some holes in your team. You're not a surefire, you know, cakewalk to the finals or even the Eastern Conference finals, uh, with him. So, um, I think Van Vliet makes some sense, especially from a decision making perspective. I think, you know, as, as, as improved as Joel and Tobias were this year in a number of ways. It's still tough to have those two guys be your lead half court decision makers mm-hmm. uh, at times. Let more so Tobias, less so Joel, because Joel, you know, I mean, you saw some issues, you've seen some issues times, but um, a little more with Tobias there. And I think Fred is such a good decision maker, such a good passer too. I mean, which I mean, I was really impressed with Fred really this year, especially amid kind of weird circumstances. Guys in and out of the lineup, the fact they were playing basically every game was a road game. They were down in Tampa. Um, I was just really impressed with them on both ends. I know that you and I have talked about them kind of regarding all defense and stuff um, before. But, yeah, I think he would make some sense for sure. And I think just having that little decision maker is also a very good passer um, would help. But, again, still you're, you're, you're still limited in terms of kind of your, your ability to create off the dribble and, yeah. and score. But uh, I think it would make, would make a lot of sense. But I do think – I do wonder for the Raptors how, how useful, you know, or how, how intriguing Ben is in that sense if you still have Pascal. Because then you don't really have a – a half court lead ball handler, especially if Lowry kind of Lowry resigns, I think it makes a little more sense. But um, you know, kind of the thing that's made the Raptors work the last few years, last couple of years, or I would say the the one year post Kawhi when they still really good, they had two kind of one B slash two A ball handlers and Fred and Kyle there. So um, I don't know. That's my long winded way of saying I think he can help and he's a good player. Uh, I would still just have some concern, but that's less less so a reason to not do it and more just looking at from a broad perspective where the Sixers would stand if that if that was the sort of deal that they they built around dealing Ben. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, 
Who is there another one that you want to pull up? Because I actually have you, you, on your list. There's one I have a question about that I don't. I mean, I, I would like you to enlighten me on it. So I'm not sure what uh, if I'm seeing it wrong or what your idea is behind it. Yeah, uh, I mean, we can get some other ones, but uh, for sure, you're welcome to bring up uh, one of the trade destinations or trade packages that was interesting to you. Okay, so you have Utah on the list, and I'm I'm just curious. Like, did you have something worked up with that, or what were you thinking with that? Uh, I think someone just listed them as a destination. I didn't have okay. anything in mind. I just I just went and looked at the tweet and looked at all the replies. And yeah. Down every words in every trade destination, and then, and then linked all the specific trade packages that that people actually replied with. So. I didn't have one, but I don't. I don't think Utah quite has the the dudes to make that work. Um, I think it would have to be centered around a Mike Conley sign and trade. That would be the only thing that I think really makes sense um, because Utah doesn't have any like high end young talent beyond Donovan Mitchell really that intrigues the Sixers. Uh, and the, I mean, the Jazz are not going to trade Donovan Mitchell. I mean, they've. Yeah. I think there was a report. I think it was last week in the Salt Lake Tribune that there's a little bit of worry about Don, keeping Donovan Mitchell around. So they're not just going to trade Donovan Mitchell. Um, so that would be the, like, I didn't think about it much, but again, I was just kind of listing all the teams that people yeah. replied with, but that's the only thing that really, I think would be at all feasible is something around Mike Conley. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I think you run into kind of be some similar problems as the Fred Van Vliet thing, but, uh, on a much more worrisome scale, given the injury history Conley's had the last couple of seasons, um, was great for the first you know, half of the year. And then the hamstring really started to act up and yeah. he's older and, and whatnot. And so. Uh, I just I just worry there, and you know, I, as good as he is in certain matchups defensively, I think he still can get overpowered because he's kind of slight of frame and and whatnot. But uh, still a good defender. But I, I that's the only thing that really makes sense. But then I think then I think you know the the uh, Jazz would have to start unloading some of their key kind of you know rotation guys and whatnot. I just don't know if that really makes them better at, at that point. So did you have anything in mind there? Or were, you just, were you just curious because it kind of seemed like a a weird a weird uh, inclusion. Yeah, I was I was mostly curious uh, just by you know what it meant, but also just to to hit a point. Like I know somebody mentioned down below about they'd be more interested in a Lowry sign and trade, and I just I, I'm not there. And I think it's kind of the same thing with Conley. Like if you're trading, uh, like I'd almost rather try and keep Ben than sign and trade somebody who's. I mean, Lowry's going to be 36 next year. Uh, Mike Conley's going to be 34 next year. Like if if that's what it's coming to, like trading somebody who's a decade younger. Uh, for hoping that that works, like I, I just I'm I'm not completely there. I'd rather try and go for a different package, but that's just me. Yeah, I think that's the thing is like sign and trades don't go for that much. Like you're not you're not getting a three time All Star who's four years left in the deal for a sign and trade. Like yeah. it's just not how it works because a sign and trade means that guy wants to go to that team. They just can't afford it financially. Uh, and the guy's not. I mean, that's just just. I mean, the Sixers aren't going to agree to that. It doesn't make sense. So uh, yeah, I t- I mean, if they want to attach, if they want to do like. Lowry and Van Vliet for, for Ben and, you know, a, a first or something or, or something like that. I mean, I, maybe I'm just, maybe that's too much, of course, but, um, you know, that sort of thing, then maybe I will talk, but you're just not getting that much back for Ben, for guy, for an older point guard who, uh, doesn't want to, doesn't want to resign for your team. It's just, it's just not how signing trades work. They never have, um, I know sometimes that, like, you get, you know, like, I know, um, there was like a Rozier for Kemba deal. Um, there was, the, I think there was a KD for D'Lo deal. Um, but uh, Conley and, and Lowry are, and Simmons are all much closer in, t- in stature than uh, Lowry and KD and D'Lo were and Rozier at the time and Kemba at the time. Of course, you know, Rozier took a leap this year and Kemba, you know, has unfortunately run into a lot of health issues, but just not how, just not how sign trades typically function in the NBA these days. Um, 
But what what else caught your eye? Because I feel like I mean, looking at these, I've already done four teams, and I've got like twelve others on here. It feels like I, like everyone suggested half the league um, on here. But one that did kind of intrigue me a little bit, um, maybe at least from their side, not the Sixers side, but this team side. Lilo, relax, please, <laughs> or not? Uh, hey, sweetie. We've stopped. <laughs> Pretty podcast. Not today. Because I apologize for this. Just know that Lilo is fine. She's just guarding the house. Um, anyhow, uh, the team that intrigued me from their perspective was the Pelicans. I don't know if they have enough that to really entice the Sixers, but uh, a guy like Ban, a real true you know perimeter defender on their team, um, would be intriguing um, to me. Is there, any, is there anything that you think could, would entice the Sixers there, or is it more just like, yeah, it'd be great if they if they were able to get, you know, you know Ben, I know it's a weird fit with Zion, but um, I think you could see some interesting things. And I don't like, I think you'd obviously have to put a lot more shooting around Ben and Zion, but I think defensively, um, and that's where I think the Pelicans really need to emphasize right now is the defense. Um, that can at least kind of intrigue me to a degree, but uh, I do know there'd be some, a lot of wonkiness. I don't even know if that's a word, but a lot of, uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's a word. I use it okay. all the time. So I'm going to okay. say it's a word. All right. Well, um, there it is. Well, what do you think of that? I, I don't I mean I don't hate it for, for the Pels. Like I think uh people get way too and, and I'm not saying you, I just mean in general, like I think people get way too enamored with finding fit right away. Like talent is talent and you have to find a way to make it work. Clearly it didn't work in, in Philadelphia. Maybe you can make it work in New Orleans. Um like the idea of having Ben and Zion, like that's a fantastic young duo. Maybe it doesn't fit, but you get a chance to see if it does. Um like I think if you were to put real shooting around that, that there's there's something valid in that. Um, in terms of what you're doing for, uh, if you're, uh, the Sixers, like, I just wonder, like, what do you get back that, that solves some of the problems? Like, cause I don't think Lonzo does. Like, I, I know I'm part of me is just, I'm not as high on Lonzo as I think other people are. Um, and mostly too, like I've never actually been ratioed as bad for a non-food take, uh, other than when I said Lonzo Ball isn't a point guard. Like I, and I didn't even mean it in a mean way. I literally That's just hilarious. Said, I just tweeted the same thing earlier. I got like 30 quote tweets on him. Yeah, man. It was insane. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting eviscerated for it too. Don't worry. <laughs> it literally like, it's fine. He's not a point guard. He's a wing. Like that's, it's not a, it's not a problem. Well, I, handles- I think. I think the way I phrase it is like he's not a ball handler because like who cares about the point guard stuff? Like he's just not a yeah. ball handler, which is fine. He's, yes, I I because I'm going to write about Lonzo. I'm going to do kind of a a breakdown about him as a restricted free agent. But yeah, I have had a lot of a lot of people are frustrated by my analysis of him. But anyhow, we're we're, we're losing the plot a little bit. But I have been there with yeah. those But yeah, I mean, like point being, like I think Lonzo does some things that are interesting, but he doesn't get downhill at all, really. Um, and I, I mean, maybe that's something that would that would change with time. But I'm just starting to get to the point where I'm like, I don't know if Lonzo was going to change that part of his game up. Um, if I'm the Pelicans, I mean, are you trading Brandon Ingram for for Ben Simmons? Probably not. I mean, Brandon's a little bit younger; he's getting paid less, um, and he doesn't have some of the the offensive problems that Ben does. Well, he definitely has defensive problems. Um, I know you were going down the the Pels rabbit hole recently, so you got you got a, a great opportunity to view uh, Brandon Ingram in, in screen navigation, which is a a joy to behold. Um, but yeah, I just I don't know if there's something that can happen mutually that that makes a lot of sense for for uh, for Philadelphia. Yeah, I agree, and I think even if Ingram's a guy that they'd be willing to part with, I feel I still think you're left in a weird spot for the Sixers um, because I. I I'm I'm interested to see how Ingram fares in a playoff role. I'm a little skeptical of him. His scoring really translate well. I think he can be a little not premeditated, but I think he has a lot of kind of tendencies that you could identify and scout 
to, you know, uh, take away at times. Um, a little bit like Julius Randle, obviously different players, but I think you, like, I don't think he struggled that much because you have a much better team around him um, than the Knicks did, than the Knicks did this year if he was on the Sixers, but um, I still would worry about him a little bit there, but, but yeah, it's just a team that kind of popped out to me that I think would be interesting because they have a lot of picks, they have a lot of young mm-hmm. guys, as we talked about, the Sixers aren't, I don't really think are in the market for young guys and picks so much as they want immediate contributors that are, you know, more reliable offensively in the second round and beyond, um, you know, in the playoffs, so uh, one team that has come up a few times in the chat and quite a bit in, in whenever I've talked about this, this, this topic uh, is Charlotte. And I think there is maybe something interesting there, at least. What do you make of that potential destination? Who would maybe Charlotte, uh, you know, dangle, you know, or kind of, you know, put out there in, in, in a trade for Ben Simmons? Does that, does that deal or, you know, does that kind of, does that location interest you at all for both teams? Yeah, so it's interesting. I, uh, I do think there's like real validity there. Um, like out of all the teams we've talked about other than Washington, I think this one probably makes the most sense. Um, one of the first questions that pops up for me, because I think if you're looking at it strictly just money wise, um, and in terms of fit too, like for, for Philadelphia, I mean, like if you're trading Gordon Hayward straight up for, uh, for Ben, like there's probably some kind of filler or something in there too. Um, but I mean, a, you have the injury concerns for Gordon, um, which came up again this year, uh, I'm not I, – I do think to an extent, like, that's – I just bank on Gordon Hayward missing 10 to 15 games every year. Like, it's, it is it is what it is at this point. But I do yeah. think he brings you a little bit more of what you need without sacrificing a ton on defense. Um, but also, like, it, it, this is something that I, I, I think people don't really think about as much, and it's something I've thought about a lot more recently. Like, Gordon Hayward is the best free agent who has ever signed in Charlotte. Um are they really going to, given given how they are as an organization, are they really going to be willing to one season after signing this guy uh, in what was like a massive, massive coup for them, regardless of how you view the contract? Like Gordon Hayward is just the best player who's ever signed in Charlotte. Like th- there is something to that organizationally that I do think front offices think about. Um, I also like, I mean, I do, th- like how do you view that? Because I do think it makes sense for, for the Sixers, but also like then you have Ben Simmons, Miles Bridges and PJ Washington, and that's just uh, you. You kind of have the same problem as the Sixers with not having a ton of half court creation. Like PJ Washington's growing there. He actually, um, I mean, he's a lot more of just a, a secondary guy. But Miles started to show a lot more on ball, and I don't know how much you're able to do that with with Ben there. But I do think Charlotte's in a spot where it's like they're so interesting with 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 being this young of a team that it's worth the gamble. Um, but but how how would you view that? Yeah, I think there's something to be to be said. One for the fringe, the aspect of it, um, but two, yeah, I, I that's the thing is some of these kind of lesser teams that you know lower level teams, whether it's fringe playoff or you know low seed, or even just you know in the lottery. Um, most most teams that aren't very good lack creation. I mean, that's just that's just the way it is. And so if you're mm-hmm. training for Ben Simmons, one, the Sixers are going to want to improve their creation, so you're going to get worse there. And two, you're going to probably get worse there because Ben Simmons isn't much of a half court creator. Um, you know, you can, you can do some stuff with him, you know, as a screener, as a you know, an elbow guy in the you know in the post. Um, but that's mostly you know kind of creating for others with his passing, less of his own scoring, um, because of his you know passiveness as a scorer. Um, but yeah, so I I yeah I don't think it makes a ton. I I think it makes some sense for Charlotte um, because I do think you can expect Lamelo to keep growing. Um, yeah. I mean, just just how much better Lamelo was. Um, between Spire and the NBL and then the NBL and Charlotte. Uh, I mean, I just expect him to be even considerably better next year and year two. 
Um, so I'm really excited for that. I think that maybe that could quell some of the worries about creation. Um, but for the Sixers, I just don't know if there's enough enough kind of win now talent there for Charlotte. And as you mentioned, you know Hayward uh, is a guy that you know at a minimum is going to miss 10 to 15 games. At a maximum, he'll miss 40 to 50 games, and sometimes he'll miss some playoff stuff. I mean, he he's he's missed. You know, he, he didn't play in Charlotte's lost to Indiana this year, and he he missed what a series and a half last year against you know, for the Celtics. So um, that's tough. That's that's really tough. Like if, if that guy's going to be your two B three A player, um, and you can't even bank on him to be fully healthy for you know uh, both regular season and the playoffs, that's that's a really tough proposition for me. I don't know if it really gets into the next step. So um, Hayward is a good player, though. Of course, like I do really think he fits in well as a secondary ball handler. Um, and, and again, he does up the decision making. I think that's something that does benefit the Sixers a lot. He's, he's a good decision maker, um, a better decision maker than Tobias. I don't know if he's necessarily a better player than Tobias. I would lean Tobias, especially because of the defensive improvements that Tobias has made, and the fact that Hayward's really regressed with his movement skills, kind of depreciated after the ankle injury. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of my long-winded way of saying I tend to agree with you in the, in the aggregate that you know I, I think it makes sense for Charlotte, but I just it, even if it's a little more complicated for them, or if, even if it's complicated, excuse me, but I don't know if it's really enough for the for the Sixers yeah no I would agree with that and because even then even if Gordon's fully healthy like you it's better in the half court but it's still not quite what you're looking for and then also the I mean you have some of the same lineup versatility issues like uh in in terms of like okay instead of having being able to play Ben with uh you know, three bigger guys. Like it's now you have Gordon out there. It's just, I, I don't know. They're, they're, it would be a little bit confusing on both ends, but I still think it's, uh, it's one of the more sensible trades for sure. Yeah. I, I tend to agree on that for sure. Um, and you know, I think another team, is there anything you want to add before maybe ship to another team? Probably go through maybe two or three more teams depending on the time, but anything you want to add about Charlotte's destination potentially before we ship to the team I had in mind? I think I'm good on Charlotte. Okay. Um, the other team that's been brought up a lot by, I think, maybe both Sixers and, and this team's fans uh, is the Spurs. Um, so what do you make of that? What Do you, do you think there's enough there for the Spurs? And Do you think, like, the, the, do you think the Sixers would be interested in what the Spurs could offer? The, the, the Spurs would be interested in kind of, you know, losing some of their guys and, and getting back Ben Simmons. What do you make of that potential, uh, uh, you know, destination? This is a fit I've actually thought about since before the playoffs. Um I the Spurs are in a really interesting spot. Not like bad, not not necessarily good. They're just they're probably the team, and I'm writing on them right now. They're the team that I just have like no real sense of of where they're going to be next year because uh, so many outcomes could could change up for them. Um, I think I look at number one. Like I'm I'm connected with a lot of Spurs fans and just Spurs people in general, and like uh, a lot of them were very anti Ben Trey, which I don't get. I mean, he would be the best player and best prospect on the team which, I mean, that means something. Um, and given where they're at, they need top-end talent. I think that's the biggest discrepancy for the Spurs right now. But also, I think the Spurs have a lot of guys who would make sense in uh, in Philly. And this is more of a – instead of getting one top-end guy back, you're getting a lot of higher-end guys who are – I mean, higher-end uh, depth. Like, so guys who are going to be able to, to start, but also maybe they're coming off the bench. So, like um, – I think Derek White is probably who the trade would be centered around. Like if I'm San Antonio, DeJounte Murray's probably my most untouchable guy. I would not want to trade him. Um, but I do think you would probably make that trade if, if you're getting Ben back. But I also don't know if he's quite what um quite what Philadelphia needs. Like he gets to the rim, he can create for himself, but um he's not like an elite playmaker or anything by any stretch right now. Like he's good but not great. He's more of a combo guard than a than a than a lead ball handler at this stage. Um 
but also like you can look down the roster and be like, okay, well maybe you're getting Devin Vassell back, who is an immediate rotation player. Like he played the most minutes of a rookie for any uh, for anybody since I think Tim Duncan for for Greg Popovich. Which <laughs> I mean that that says a lot. He's already one of the best team defenders in the NBA, and he hits threes. Like that's automatically somebody who would be a top eight rotation player in in, in Philadelphia. He's, he's, mini, he's mini Mikel, is what he he's is so awesome. good, man. He's so it, good. Like it's, it's it's uncanny. I'll say when I was watching him as a prospect, some of the stuff he did, I was like, because I, I I wrote about both Mikel and Vassell last summer, and it was like it was watching them. I was like, oh my goodness, like Vassell is like I need someone to ask. Like Vassell has absolutely studied Mikel's tape. Um, but to your point, yeah, he's 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 a legit rotation player, um, you know, and it's just such a good team defender and can shoot. I mean, just having a, a guy at that size who, you know, can shoot threes uh, for the Sixers would be quite nice. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and Derek White obviously is a guy that I've, I've liked for a long time, and I would love to I would love uh, to see him – I'd love for him to play for the team I cover. I think that would, I would enjoy watching Derek White every night. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I think there's some interest there, but I just don't know, again, if it's like – if that's kind of the, the return package, if it's Derek White, maybe a first and Devin Vassell, like, does that make you better? Like, I don't, like, I, I, I think Derek White could honestly be a much better player than he's been. I know he had a tough year this year because of some injuries. Yeah, he really struggled with injuries. It was really, it was a bummer, especially after the way he played in the bubble last season. Um, yeah. To I me, mean, totally just came out and was super aggressive from three. It was awesome to see. Um, like, I think he's got more there. I do think he's a little bit limited by, um, I mean, Popovich is obviously an all-time great coach, but it, at this point, offense has kind of passed him by a little bit in the Spurs. Um, so I think he could definitely do a little more. Again, that's, I mean, I, like, not that Doc is some offensive revolutionary or Dave Yeager, you know, who heads that side of things for the Sixers. But um, I, I like Derek White a lot of it. Obviously, anyone who's followed me for a long time knows that. But I just don't know if that's the best player getting back plus a, a year two wing. Like, I just, maybe a pick. I, I don't know if that is the, the best thing. And then even for the Spurs, like, do DeJounte and Ben work that well? Like, I think, like, DeJounte took strides forward this year, but, like, he's still a pretty inefficient creator. Like, I think they, they still need a lead, a lead creator. Like, I, like I, I really want to see them take a guy like Josh Giddey or Sharif Cooper, not to get the draft talk, but, and then maybe kind of have DeJounte with a smaller on-ball role because I think he could be such a good guy, like, you know, hitting spots, attacking off the catch with his length and whatnot, then maybe the role now where he's, he's so pick-and-roll heavy and he just isn't quite there as a scorer. But, I just I don't I don't know if it makes sense for the Sixers again because of the talent deficit they might be working from if they trade Ben. Yeah, and I also thought too like I know the uh, Mar sign and trade has been thrown out too, and I also think like if that's the only return, I don't think you do it. Like I, I also would say too though, Demar is so much better than I think people realize. Um, like he is his passing growth since he's been in San Antonio is ridiculous. Um, he's actually like actively the best jump passer in the league by a mile. Like I feel like almost every pass he makes is a, is a jump pass. Um, oh, better better but, than Luca. You're going, you're going there better than Luca. Okay. Well, not, not the, not, not a better jump pass than Luca. I forgot about Luca for a second, but, um, he's up there in terms yeah, of no, sure. anyone who doesn't play outside Dallas. Uh, but I, I do think if there's like, let's say, all right, if the Mar signs for like $20 million, which I think is probably in the right range. Cause he's probably going to, I mean, I'd imagine he's going to sign a longer-term deal because it's going to be his last opportunity to most likely. Mm-hmm. If you get DeMar DeRozan and, like, Derek White somehow – hold on, sorry. I had a – yeah, sorry. So I had a phone call come through. Um, <laughs> no, it's all good. I've had that happen. But, like, let's say you get DeMar DeRozan at, like, $20 million, and I don't know if they're trading Derek White to you, but say you get Vassell along with that or, or just – 
you know, some 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 functioning. If they bring in Demar Derozan and Derek, and Derek White uh, in conjunction with Tobias and Joel, they're going to lead. They're going to set an NBA record for uh, mid range frequency. In season. <laughs> yeah, uh, that uh, that wouldn't be perfect. But I actually like. I do think Demar does a lot more for an offense than, than Ben does right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, I, tend, I tend to agree with that. Yeah, and I, I like again, it's not sexy. I think a lot of people look at me like, oh, what is this doing for us? But. I think that DeMar is good enough attacking off the catch and, uh, you know, creating for himself in the half court and just as a facilitator in general, that it, it does lend some credence to, to making it happen. But I, again, it's just more of, is he going to want to go to Philadelphia because it's going to be up to him. I mean, he's an unrestricted free agent. Um, so, you know, a, a lot is kind of up in the air with that, but it's, it's, it, again, it's one of the ones where it's a little bit more feasible um, it's not the the best trade destination for either side, although I do like it for San Antonio. Just the idea to get a top end player, but um, yeah, it's it's a little uh, it's a little herky jerky. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I think so. There, here, here. Well, here, my goodness, that was not English, Jackson. <laughs> I have no. Yeah, I was like, what? Is that? <laughs> I, I lagged in my brain. Uh, here's how I would uh, assess Demar Derozan fit. The, be- the the pros you get a legit half court creator who is a good decision maker. I mean, I, I like I know that our friend PD is is working tirelessly to you know eradicate the assist to turnover ratio uh, as as a useful stat. Uh, but the fact of the matter is we don't have many publicly available ones. Uh, and Demar had an incredible assist to turnover ratio this year. Um, yeah. Like I think it was like and even in know, like uh, Ben Taylor's box creation, he raced really highly. Like, yeah, he's, there you go. He's so very good. I mean, you can always, you can always subscribe to Ben's stuff. And I think that one might actually be public, but. Uh, point being is he's a very, very good passer and decision maker, so that would help a lot, giving you that sort of like half court creation um, benefits you. Uh, you know the the negatives here, um, which again the, the the half court creation and the decision making are huge pluses. So even if I go a little more in depth on some of the, the cons, it doesn't mean that I think they outweigh these things for anyone listening. Mm-hmm. But the the negatives here are one, Demar is historically a very poor playoff performer, uh, and if they're trading away Ben because he struggles beyond the first round, I I do worry a little bit about that. I mean. DeMar, I mean, DeMar struggled in Toronto. He struggled in the playing game this year against the Spurs or against the Grizzlies. Um, and I think that matters to an extent. Like, it's it's not just an aberration. It's not a one or two year thing. I mean, we're on we're in year twelve of DeRose. He's made seven or eight playoff appearances, and he struggled in most of them, unfortunately. Um, two, the defense is is pretty putrid, especially off the ball, even on the ball. It's like he's not a very good defender. Um, and three, I, I do wonder about the spacing because DeMar can do some stuff off the ball. But he kind of plays basketball like it's nineteen eighties when he's off the ball because he spaces spaces out to like the twenty foot range, the twenty two foot range. Um maybe twenty two feet is beyond the arc. I should really check my measurements here, but um I don't think it is. But uh, for anyone who's listening to me, feel free to correct correct me and call me out. Here, this is how this is how much you know about basketball. <laughs> hey, if it's the corner, I think you're good. But yeah. <laughs> all right. Mark Mark saved my butt there. Um but those those things I do think matter. So I think it would be a plus in the long run, especially if you get a guy like the cell or, or Derek White, especially like if Derek White was in the tertiary creation role as with DeRozan and, and uh, tertiary perimeter creation role, excuse me, uh, with, with Tobias and DeRozan being two other guys there, because the fact of the matter is Joel is going to you know, create a lot of stuff from, from his, his spots, but that would be a huge win for the Sixers, and I think it would be a win for the Spurs, um, but as you mentioned and how it goes back to some of these other sign-and-trade things, is like is like it comes down to tomorrow wanting to go to the and I don't really know what DeMar's intentions are. We haven't really heard much about that. I really am fascinated to see how that unfolds this summer. Um, but I don't, I don't really have any sort of gauge for where he's looking to go. Um, it's the same. I mean, it's, it's all the same with the Lowry and the Conley stuff. Like, 
like the, those guys have to want to go to Philly for that sort of thing to have legs. And at the same time, like is, is Derek white plus whatever, you know, enough for Ben Simmons for a guy who's, you know, three time all-star with despite his flaws and has four years left on his deal, um, which again is, is a pretty big deal. I think it's four years, one, one forty seven, I believe. So a lot of money tied tied up to him, but he's a very good player. So that's how I view it. Anything you want to kind of, you know, address in my little spiel there, um, or did you kind of touch on your, on your view of it? And we maybe shift to one or two more teams here as we conclude today's stream. Yeah, I'm going to do one or two more teams. I think you hit on everything I would go on. I actually, like, just in thinking on it, too, I don't know if the Spurs would do. Uh, I mean, I personally, if I'm the Spurs, I would do DeMar and Derek White, just given, because uh, that also boosts up, like, Lonnie Walker would get more playing time, and you can see more of that in a, in a, uh, in a rebuilding year a little bit. But, um, yeah, I agree. There, there's, it's just it's hard to make this trade work. Um, I have another team that I'd want to bring up though, uh, because it's interesting, but I, again, it's another one I don't see it happening for, but I know I've seen a lot of people throw this out. That's Miami. Um, like I think theoretically, if that's happening, it's built around a, uh, um, like a Duncan Robinson sign and trade and Tyler hero. Um, I don't know if that really does anything for me if I'm the Sixers. Um, I mean, how, how would you do that? Yeah, I, I, I'm good on that. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I've seen that matter, trade like a million fact, times, and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't get that at all. Like Duncan Robinson's nice, but I also think shooting is like, I, I don't want to be the guy who overpays a shooter. Um, and not to say that Duncan Robinson is going to be an overpaid player, but Duncan Robinson at four point seven million dollars right now means a lot more to a team with what he brings than it's going to be at twenty million dollars um, or whatever he ends up getting. Like I imagine he's going to get around what Joe Harris did, but. Yeah, and I also I, just I, I don't think Tyler here was ready to step in and be the guy who's going to create a, a ton for uh yes, I agree with that, Matt. Uh nineteen uh nineteen twenty sixers type of spacing for Miami. It might even be worse than that actually. Um, but, <laughs> oh man. Ben yeah. and, and Ben just passing up every every look outside of uh deep feet there. Uh, three non shooters in a playoff. I, I, I don't know I don't know if Ben and Jimmy are being treated reunited, given some of the reports that yeah, yeah. Uh, ben and Jimmy didn't necessarily get along that well, uh, or not. I don't know if that was it. Is that they, the, the the front office picked Ben over over Jimmy? They preferred to bring him back. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to substantiate any unfounded rumors there. But what I what I do know is what's been reported is that the, the front office. You know, I think is it's been. I think it's been presumed and, and reported that the front office chose, decided to go with with Ben over Jimmy. Um, mm-hmm. Because as much as the fact that Jimmy wanted to go to Miami, um, they didn't have the cap space, so. Uh, if if, uh, if they want if they Sixers wanted to they could have resigned him again. Jimmy probably would have gone to LA or something like that. But I'm getting a little bit off topic. But I, I don't think it, I don't think Ben and Jimmy would really be uh, you know uh, amped over over a, a re a re what's the word that to reunite a reunion yeah yeah a reunion Mike I am <laughs> I am I'm your, thesa- your thesaurus today. Don't worry, Jackson. I, know, I got I, you. I need I need a I need a, a transcript a teleprompter in front of me to tell me what to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we we can cover Miami pretty quickly there. Um, we'll go with maybe one more here uh, that I don't think we've touched on. We'll, we'll try and get two more actually because I think a couple of places are interesting. Um, first of which is Dallas. Someone said Dallas for Porzingis. I don't think that makes sense for the Sixers. Um, I just don't think Porzingis is that caliber of player. Um, I also I, I don't know. I, I also just I. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it makes sense for the Sixers, but and I don't think that Dallas has maybe the the other guys, you know, in, in place to um, you know, entice them. Like maybe maybe Tim Hardaway Jr. in a sign and trade plus Porzingis makes a little more sense. But I think Hardaway Jr. is much more a guy who works off of advantages created by the perimeter. You saw that in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he got just a bunch of open looks when they were you know when they were when the Clippers were struggling to guard Luca, 
And I just don't know if you have that same level of infrastructure in in Philadelphia, even if Embiid is a guy who you know carries a, a ton of you know gravity from the post. So, um, what do you make of that deal? Is there any, any legs to it? Do you think there's just not enough pieces there for um, the for the uh, for the Mavs? But then also you lose a lot of spacing for the Mavs if you trade Porzingis, and that would make it tough for for Ben. Bring back Josh Richardson, in my opinion. Um, no, I think <laughs> I'm, I, yeah. I'll, I'll find a new team to cover if that. If that's <laughs> Josh Richardson, dude, it, I just gotta say, it makes me so sad. I, yeah. like Josh Richardson, seventeen, eighteen years, one of my favorite years I ever watched somebody play basketball, and uh, alas, you know, that's it's. Oh no, it was a was a nineteen. It was an eighteen. It, I think it was eighteen, yeah, 18 nineteen, 18, not 17, 18, 18. Both, both yeah. years were really good. But 18, yeah, was a year but, we got um, but I watched. It still, I watched it still makes me sad. Enough threes for one year. Nothing. Yeah. Against no, I know. Season. It's he was, it's he had a really sad. Fun personality, but uh, just does not really. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, what do you make of that deal? On, on the uh, I mean, that's a, that's a non-starter for me. Um, <laughs> I do think. I mean, I would say with Chris Stapps, like, uh, just looking back two years ago, what he did bring, um, I think, is where I go in terms of his actual trade value. Like, I do think uh, whoever trades for him is going to get, of course, destroyed on Twitter. Um, I. Given some of the off-court stuff, I'm not a big fan of Chris Stapps personally. But um, in terms of him going somewhere, I do think there's a chance that he has a lot more value than um, people are giving him credit for because he was. I mean, in I mean, two years ago, he was fantastic, uh, borderline All-Star player, mm-hmm. uh, was fantastic as a shooter, um, and was a really good defensive player too. So I think when, that's when you say two, year, two years ago, you mean his first year in Dallas, just to be clear. Yeah, yeah. Okay. When he's, yeah. or I guess I mean it's a year ago. I, I'm so no, destroyed by pain that that ring, but that's the right idea. But yeah, um, he, he was really good two years ago. Yeah, Absolutely. but I also you make such a good point about Tim Hardaway Jr. because he's had real issues uh, with his three point shot outside Dallas, and part of that is because he hasn't had the space to get it off. Um, and yeah. he was so good in he Dallas, right but a big part of that is I think playing off of Luca. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to disparage him. Like I still think he's a good player regardless, but I think. You're getting the most for him by having him next to Luca, mm-hmm. um, and, that, and that, that's a skill to have. Is being a good, being yeah. a good awful player like that is certainly a skill, but it just it just warrants understanding who he is. is I think is all you're saying. Definitely, one hundred percent. And I just don't think you're getting that same value. So I uh, I don't see a real a real deal for Dallas uh, in in this. Yeah, to me, it's one of those things where like even if like even though Porzingis has a lot of issues and he struggled a lot in that that first round series, um, like he still does add some stuff to them and like I, I think if you if it was a Ben Porzingis centric deal it'd be one of those things where like maybe both players need a fresh start but I just don't think it make like the places they would go I don't think really make that much sense for them um, yeah and so like I mean that that would put you know that would put Tobias into like basically kind of your three your three oh, God, Tobias man. is a much better and, and yeah then we I mean you said bring, bring back Josh Richardson we'd be looking at Tobias as a three again you saw how much Tobias struggled in that year so um, he's just a much better interior defender than he is a you know a perimeter defender at this stage. So uh, not even at this stage; it's just how he's been you know his throughout his career. So um, that doesn't make much sense to me either. And then of course, if you're trading Porzingis, you're losing kind of one of your best floor spacers. And if you're attached, if you're doing a sign trade with THJ, um, you are you lose another floor spacer. And then you've got Ben there, and it's like like what are you what are you putting around him? Like you know, Josh Richardson teams don't guard because he's so hesitant from three and whatnot. And, and so uh, just under presumption that Josh Richardson you know, exercises a player option, which I think he will. Um, but yeah, I tend to agree there. The last thing I want to talk about, though, uh, if we're good on that one, because I think we're both you know, yeah, we're we're locked up that there, um, is an interesting one that I think Nikias Duncan brought up a couple weeks ago or a week ago. Um, and that's a team that's still playing right now, and that's Atlanta. What do you think of that as a place 
um, to maybe consult with, to maybe Atlanta get a talent upgrade and also maybe consolidate all those young perimeter guys that they have, or not even, I mean, some of them are young, some of them are young, established, but all the, all the wings and whatnot that they have when healthy, uh, some of which are young, some of which are established players at this stage. Yeah, this one is actually one I was thinking about quite a bit. Um, I, I mean, I guess you're, it would probably be under the assumption that John Collins isn't coming back um, because that would be a little bit awkward if you have <laughs> Collins, Simmons, and Capella. Um, but I do, I mean, I, I think Atlanta is kind of in a place to consolidate some talent. Um, I'm That's really interested. Because, yeah, because when I, sorry not to cut you off, but when no, I look at the team and I'm like, what are they missing? It's like, they just need a little more talent. They've got, they've got all kind of the archetypes there, right? Like to, to be a really, really awesome team for a number of years, but they just, those archetypes aren't quite to the degree they need. So continue. That's just why I think it'd be interesting for the Hawks to maybe consolidate some of their players and, and kind of upgrade their talent. But sorry to cut you off there. No, you're good. I mean, you're right. They're in such an office. And I, I talked about this with uh, with Chris, Chris Kirshner from The Athletic at the beginning of the season on my pod. Like, um, I love what they have, but it's also like I don't know how you, you, you're able to maximize all of it at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like, that's kind of what I look at. Like, um, I, I think – I mean, I, I don't know what Atlanta's going to think with John Collins. I, I actually, I, I think I've been, I've always been a little bit higher on John Collins. Than I think most people. I have a, believe it or not, Jackson, as you know from me, I have a tendency to to def- defend players to like the last <laughs> last breath. But me too. Don't um, worry, I'm right there. I think, I mean, are, are you giving up Bogdan or or Kevin Herter? Is is kind of where I start because I think that's one of the areas you can look at and say, uh, Bogdan and Kevin Herter, like they play really well together. Just to, I mean, mm-hmm. to start off with, but. Um, I think given that those are the two guys who are healthy, like Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter have both had some injury issues, unfortunately, because DeAndre was so freaking good this year. Um, yeah, and yeah. I would not be excited about giving up DeAndre Hunter yet, given what he was – I mean, he was their second best player and almost their first best player. I, I think people were a little bit harsher on trade than they need to be at the beginning of the year. But um, I think, yeah, you're, you're trading either – Bogdanovich or Herder most likely. And Herder would be in a sign trade because he's a team option. Uh, or no, he wouldn't be a sign trade, but I'd, I'd imagine there's an extension that comes out of it because he's on <laughs> yeah, a team he's, option. He's um, a 2018 class, so he's extension eligible. Yeah, and I mean, maybe you're throwing Cam Reddish in too. I, I think it's going to be hard for Cam Reddish. Like, I I still hold a lot of Cam Reddish stock, um, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen on the Hawks given how quickly they've um, – you know, surpassed expectations. Like I, I, I do think they're going to art, art, like ultimately start looking at win now moves like this, like making a trade for Ben because they need to. Uh, um, like I, I imagine, like just the way that Trey's going to feel after this this series, and the way that uh, the you know the scope, like part of the part of the downside of making like getting ahead of your timeline early is that it puts pressure on you that you are kind of forced to try and exceed earlier than maybe you're ready to. So I think it's going to force the, the, the Hawks into some more trades. So I do think it's actually really feasible, oddly enough. It would be kind of wild to um, to see a trade happen for a team that you – I mean, you, the reason the trade is happening is because that team lost to you. Um, so, but, yeah, I mean, how do you view it? Yeah, I think there do, it does make a lot of sense to consolidate some of this because, I mean, the Hawks are ridiculously deep, honestly. I mean, just looking yeah. at their, their playoff minutes, I mean, they, they, they go 10 deep, on, like, honestly. Like, you've got Trey, Bogdan, John Collins, Capella, Kevin Herter, Daniel Gallinari, Lou Williams, Nick Kong, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish is 10. And, like, that, that's your 10th guy. And Reddish had a tough tough first year, or tough second year, yep. excuse me. Uh, really kind of turns it on in, in the second half of his rookie year um, before kind of things shut down. The Hawks obviously didn't get invited to the bubble. Uh, and has been, you know, 
was was really awesome in uh, game four, I believe, and was okay in game five. Um, but I mean, that that's just like, you don't need to go ten deep. I mean, I, I guess Doc Rivers and Nate McMillan don't listen to me on that, but <laughs> you don't need to go ten deep in the playoffs. Uh, it, but it's just like they are so ridiculously deep, and I, I think it makes some sense for a team like you know, like like the Sixers who do need, who could use a little more you know depth, I guess. I mean, like, like if, if Doc's going to play ten deep, maybe you want ten guys who are actually worthy of playing deep. Uh, you know, apologies to Dwight Howard and Shake Milton in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I just think it made like Herder would get. I mean, again, the issue, the issue is all these guys partially look great because they play off of training, and that is similar to T- Trim Hardaway Jr. Tim Hardaway Jr. I just said Trim Hardaway it's when he gets a haircut. <laughs> um, but they benefit from playing off of Trey, and that's a great skill to have. Again, being a complimentary player, if you're not quite that high level initiator, is is a really really important skill to have in the NBA. Um, but the Sixers don't have that. Um, you know, Embiid is a very very good player. I think he's kind of a a one B two A offensive player, but a, a premier defensive player. I think mean, like his defense at its best is better than anyone else in the NBA. I think you saw that in the playoffs this year, saw it back in 2019 as well. Um, and so you just don't quite have that guy for everyone to play off of. And I think that makes it tougher. So their value is a little more, you know, a little heightened in, in Atlanta than it might be in, in uh, Philadelphia. But I do think there is kind of enough in place there that it, there's at least kind of the foundation. And if the, if, if Travis Schlenk and Darren Morey, you know, worked out a deal in the offseason, I would not be surprised at all because I think, you know, Atlanta should be in win now, you know, um, you know, a lot of people are saying like, Oh, like it'd be really weird if the Hawks made the, made the finals. I'm like, you know, this is such a weird year and whatnot, but like, the Hawks were like 58 win pace, like when it, when Nate took over. Like, yeah, they're a really good team. Like, I think if you if they played the, the Heat last year, like, they, I think that would be a really good series. Like, and and so I think if you can kind of upgrade some of that talent and whatnot, uh, you might as well because I don't think like I don't think I don't think they're gonna like win the title next year if they had Ben Simmons instead of maybe Kevin Herter and Bogdan or anything. But like, I think they'd be a really really good team. Um, like, like I think of the, I think the Nets at full strength, you know, would be would should be the favorite there in the East, but. Um, I think there's certainly a, a framework here, just given all the different wings th- that this team has in Atlanta, and I think the Sixers could use a lot more wings. Um, I've talked on previous podcasts that I think the Sixers need to upgrade some size off the bench on the wings, and you know, of course, you're not going to trade Ben Simmons for a bench player. Um, but like, if Kevin Herter's maybe one of your lead guys, back, like, I love Kevin Herter. Like, I, I he's been so good. Your article on him was awesome, man. <laughs> Thank you. Um, his de- I mean, his defense this year was like, I mean, like, I'm not going to say he's, he's an all defense guy. I don't think he's that, but like his def, like his positioning, his strength this year, like he's a legit, legit multi-positional defender in conjunction with kind of the the budding offensive game, the mid-range pull-up. He's a very good passer with either or with either hand off the dribble, especially those skip passes to the corner. Like, I think like there's a lot, there's a lot to work with there. So. Um, this is a team that I think could be a stealth player because they have the players to, or stealth player in the Ben Simmons sweepstakes, mm-hmm. um, because they have kind of the depth of talent and maybe she looked to upgrade and take the next step. And they have kind of guys the Sixers could really benefit from just guys who can shoot and handle the ball the Sixers really need. They haven't really had much during the Joel and B there. So I, I love this as a, as a potential dark horse. Yeah. No, I agree. And I, I just, I do, uh, even if it's not Ben, I'm really interested to see what Atlanta does in the offseason because I, I do think they're going to have to make some moves. Like, I, uh, Gallo's been awesome in the playoffs, or I shouldn't say awesome. Like, he's had awesome moments, but like, you've seen how rough the defense is and how, uh, how lacking in mobility is. Like, even if, I mean, if he pump fakes and he gets somebody going the opposite direction, like, they're recovering in two steps <laughs> because he can't even get, like, it's it's honestly painful to watch sometimes. Like, he's so skilled and talented, but he, his body is just like, no, you're not getting anywhere. But um, <laughs> I agree. Like, I, 
I, I think the Hawks have a lot of moves to make this this offseason, and maybe maybe Ben is one of them. And I, I like it. I mean, I like the idea of getting more talent, uh, top end talent like that. Yeah, for sure. And I think before we close here, um, you know, King Herbert said, "Can you possibly finish on what your favorite trade is overall, or would you keep Ben?" So I will kind of let you take this one first Ooh. if you had something in mind, Mark. Because uh, I think this is a good way to finish. Is why I maybe conclude this series for the time being until the Ben Simmons stuff really you know, garners a lot of noise again you know, once the season actually ends. Yeah. So um, first of all, thanks a ton for having me on, man. I always appreciate talking. Um, and I'm excited to actually see you in summer league soon, soon enough. Yeah, man, like a month. Absolutely, man. Um, so I think my favorite trade, just a from a watchability standpoint, and like it would just make me excited team building wise. Less for the Sixers, more for Atlanta. I would love to see that Atlanta trade happen. Mm-hmm. I think that would be sick. Um, it would be really cool to see that. I just like seeing fun conglomerations of talent. I don't know if it makes as much sense for Philadelphia. Um, I think the trade that overall makes the most sense and I would be pretty cool seeing happen is the Wizards deal. Um, mm-hmm. Like I would, I, I think Brad would be so good for the Sixers, and I really like the idea of Ben getting a, fr- a fresh start in Washington. Um, I know, you know, again, it's not glamorous, but I think it's it's probably the deal that makes the most sense overall for both teams. Yeah, I think I, I tend to agree with that. And then just in general, kind of from a broad perspective, including the suitors that I've mentioned or had discussed on previous podcasts, the one I like for Ben's sake and for basketball is Ben to Portland in a CJ-centric deal. Yeah. I, don't think it's, I don't think it makes the Sixers that much better. Um, I think it would make them better because just another guy who can handle the ball and shoot and whatnot, CJ McCollum would help. Uh, and as I mentioned, you know, numerous times, I mean, the, the fit, if this Blazers resign Norman Powell is kind of about as good as you can get for, for Ben. You know, you have a lead ball handler, you have a secondary creator, um, you've got the floor spacer in Covington, and you've got, you know, a guy who Nurkic, you could probably expect to play a little more on the perimeter, uh, whether it's, you know, facilitating from the elbows or, you know, becoming more of a stretch five that we saw him experiment with a little bit since he came back from injury last from the bubble and this year as well. Um so that's the one that makes the most sense, I think, you know, for Ben's sake. Uh, I also like the one for Atlanta just because, I mean, you just need to lead, like, I think Ben is maximized with the lead ball handler and Trey and Dame are that. Yeah. Um, and obviously, even if Atlanta trades a few of their guys, you still have a lot of offensive talent around him and shooting. So those are the two that I think I like the most. But in terms of the Sixers, I think, you know, the BL one is, is the most, is the one that benefits them the most. You know, of course, I've discussed the Dame one before, but as Danny Morang talked about, he doesn't think Ben, or not Ben, he doesn't think Dame will, will really be, you know, if ever, uh, on the trade market until next summer. So that makes it tough um, for, the, for the Sixers. But that's how I would uh, kind of order it. I would go the three teams that intrigue me the most for everyone involved would be Washington, Atlanta, and Portland. Um, but Mark, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, of course, we'll be back on Tuesday. We'll kind of shift gears a little bit to maybe review some of the actual players on the Sixers, talk about their seasons and whatnot. Um, but, Mark, anything you want to plug before we uh, head off for the, for the evening and afternoon? I appreciate you. Take, let me take about 75 minutes of your afternoon. You're good, man. I um, Thanks again for having me. I uh, Gosh, do I have anything to plug right now? Um, I'm working on a bunch of articles. I've been trying to workshop a bunch of stuff. So it's been a, probably a week or two since I've had anything drop. But I have been very active on my podcast. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MShinglerNBA if you haven't followed me already. I, uh, I'm pretty active on there. So thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, of course. Uh, I would definitely recommend following Mark. Just uh, tune out all of his food takes. <laughs> um, I'm glad we didn't talk about any of those today. I would have had to uh, boot you from the stage, unfortunately. But uh, anyhow, for everyone listening, I appreciate you uh, doing so. For anyone listening after the fact as a podcast, I appreciate you doing that as well. Um, please, 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 if you can, uh, subscribe to my podcast, rate, rate, rate. Not rate and review, the same thing. Rate or review, whichever term you prefer. I am bungling this per usual. I'm like a bad closer here. But anyhow, I'll be back on Tuesday 
In the meantime, stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. I'll talk to all of you again soon.